0: Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Well, great to be with you guys. Haven't been here for a while. Need to come down to the sunny coast a bit more often, eh? Brilliant. Uh, How many of you have been enjoying going through Ephesians over the last couple of months? And... uh, We just had this sense as a leadership that um, during this autumn time, God wanted to, I mean, God always wants to encourage and build us up, doesn't he? Um, But we just had this sense of going through Ephesians, God wanted to build us, encourage us, strengthen us, uh, and just strengthen that unity, uh, strengthen who we are as a people across all the congregations. And um, we're in Ephesians 4. I know last week you guys in church and home, we're doing the second half. Is that right of, of uh, chapter four? So we're going to just swap it around a bit, which is all right. Um, and we're just going to unpack some some things in the first sixteen verses of Ephesians four. And just to kind of summarise these verses, there's there's kind of three sections, if you like, to this these verses. The first one is Paul speaks about the unity that they have. Then there's a few verses around um, where you call them gifts or operations, the fivefold giftings, which we'll look at. But then the last part of the chapter is uh, around maturity. And what we're going to see is that the the focus in these 16 verses is more about who we are as a body than it is about the fivefold ministry or the fivefold giftings, a lot of the time when we read these verses, we, we focus a lot around the fivefold giftings. And, um, but the fivefold giftings are there to enable the body to keep and strengthen the unity, but also then to become mature as all of us are active, as we're going to discover, in the part that God has for each one of us in who we are as a body. And so it's, it's really how do those fivefold things help to facilitate um, who we are as a people, but the focus is really on who we are that keeps the unity, and it's down to us together to grow in maturity and in fruitfulness and effectiveness. It, it's not just down to those fivefold people to, to do all of that. We discover all of that. As we, uh, as we go through. So let's kind of just start, obviously a good place to start is verse one, isn't it? Um, so let's just read, uh, rather than reading the whole text, we are going to read it all, but each verse at a time or each little thing, I'm just going to say one or two things rather than just reading it all. Um, so let's have a, a look at what Paul is saying here. It says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Now now Paul's in prison when he writes this to the Ephesians. So there's a kind of uh, a bit of a parallel he's saying as a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. What, what is he saying? He's saying I I live as a prisoner of Christ. Now he is in a physical prison, but he also is expressing something more than just a physical place. He's saying I'm a prisoner of Christ and what he means by that is I'm captivated with him. I'm captivated with who Christ is in my life and because I'm captivated with him, I want to live in the world like a prisoner. Now, when you're in prison, there are certain things you can't do anymore, certain things you can't engage in uh, and everything. And, And there's a great parallel in the sense that we live in the world, but we're not of it. So we used to be of it before we knew Jesus and we live like the world. But then when you're born again, when you surrender your life to Jesus and he comes to live in us, we now have another kingdom. We have another world, if we can put it that way, living in us called the kingdom of God. And and so we're still in the world, but we're not of it. We're not under the systems or the ways of the world anymore in that sense, uh, or the nature of sin doesn't control us anymore. So... When we say we're, we're captivated or we're prisoners of Christ, what we're really saying is I, I no longer want to live a life like everybody else is living. So I want to live like I'm a prisoner of Christ and I only want to live that life that I'm captivated by or, or the person I'm captivated with in that sense. So he's, he's kind of saying, but also what is he saying, is, is this captivated life, this prisoner of Christ is a Christ-like life and he is talking to the individual but a lot of the new testament when you when you see the word you in english y o u we only have one word for you in english which is and and we're not sure do you mean the individual do you mean everyone do you mean a certain group whereas in in the greek you know there would be different words that you would use whether the singular the plural and they would understand what you meant now Often in the New Testament, when he uses the word you, he's not just talking about the individual, he's talking to you. He's speaking to us, or God is speaking to us, you, the body, in that sense. And so he wants us to live together this Christ-like life as the body of Christ um, so that we, we become all that we are already saved to be. Do you get that? So the day you were saved, God gave you fully all that He is and the Christian life is then living out and learning to live all that we received on day one. How do I live in the fullness of that? How do I live this Christ-centered life that God has given me? Now, he then then goes into, well, well, how do you do that? What does it look like to live as a prisoner in Christ? What does it look like to live captivated? What, What does it look like together to live this and express this? In verse 2, he says this. This is how. He said, firstly, be completely humble and gentle. I don't know about you, but do you ever read the Bible? And if you read it slow enough, rather than just, right, I'm going to read these verses, tick the box, done it, read the Bible today, get on with my life, you know. Or do you ever kind of sit and just go through it slowly enough to kind of say, the Bible says, be completely humble and gentle. Do you ever take a moment when you read the Bible and sit and think, hmm, what, what, what does that really mean to live that? Mm-hmm. What would it mean for me to be completely humble and gentle? Mm-hmm. Do, do, do anybody ever do that? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I, I think, hmm, it's funny in, in, a, in the church where we, someone stands up, reads some things in the Bible and then tells us a load of things. And sometimes I'm like, it's pretty clear, isn't it? This is what the Bible's saying. So the question is, what is my response to what the Bible says? Not just, have I read the Bible and do I know what it says? But actually, it says here, be completely humble and gentle. What does it mean to be humble? Jesus made a a statement. He said, I've not come to be served, but to serve. I've come to lay my life down. And to be humble is actually to first of all think, "Mm, rather than me being first, what does it look like for me to not to be served, but actually to serve? What What does it look like to actually... Be humble and gentle. The word "gentle" there means loving kindness, and sometimes when we use these, it's, it can these words it can sound a little bit oh yeah, that's nice, gentle, loving kindness, but actually, um, the word for gentle there is meekness, and meekness there actually means the strength and character of God's love being expressed, which is so. Often when we use the word love, it can be a little bit emotional, a bit lovey-dovey, and, and there is an aspect of love that is very much engaging like that. But also, God's love is strong. It's immovable and unshakable. It doesn't mean it's aggressive. Um, you know, you hear one or two worship songs these days, God's furious love. It's like, well, I don't know if I find that word in the Bible to describe his love. He's not furious. You know, I find that his love is everlasting. His, his love is gentle, his love is kind, his love is strong, do you know what I mean? And, and um, so be completely humble and gentle. So this is gonna be really important in terms of how we respond to as a, as a people to become mature that we're gonna discover. Be humble, completely humble and gentle. I'm, I'm, I'm here to serve, not to be served. And then it says gentle. So we want to be a loving, kind person in that sense. And so again, it's like, hmm, where where do I always want to put my opinions before someone else's? Or do I react before just taking a moment to think? What would be the right way here to respond rather than to react? Which then leads into the next thing he says. So in order to live to this high calling that you've received, to live a Christ-like fruitful life, be patient, bearing with one another in love, why, why, do, why is Paul writing these things? Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another, because he knows what we're like. Yeah, doesn't he? He knows what we're like as people. Uh, we, got, we get upset easily, we can take offence easily, we can get annoyed easily, we can, oh, no, you know, all of that. And he's saying, hey, guys, guys, if you're humble and gentle and patient and you bear with one another in love, Then what's going to happen, it then says here, verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Interesting how Paul says make every effort to keep the unity. It's not that you've got to try and get unity because what he's saying is there's only one Spirit which we'll come to. He's the Spirit of unity. And when we have the one Spirit, we, we all have the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have one Spirit The Holy Spirit enables us to be humble, gentle, patient, kind, uh, long-suffering or, as he's put it, bearing with one another, but making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. What, What does that mean? It means that we are peacekeepers, so we're here to keep the peace, but we are also peacemakers. How many of you? How many of you love confrontation? I don't know many people. I don't enjoy confrontation. You know, sometimes we have to do it in life, don't we? And 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 often we think of confrontation as oh, it's going to be like this, but actually, um, peacekeeping is sometimes not doing anything because you're afraid of what somebody might think about you. Or you don't want to go there because you're not sure how's that going to go and all that. So I'll just keep the peace. I won't, you know. Um, There's 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 one thing where we have the peace of God, and therefore we want to make sure we keep that peace, and we don't allow anything in to unsettle us relationally between people or in situations. But when things have gone a little bit pear shaped for some reason, we don't just want to be a peacekeeper in that situation because we just put things, we hide them under the carpet. We wanna be a peacemaker in those moments. And a peacemaker sometimes is literally just saying, hey, um, can we just have a, a conversation, have a chat? And uh, I just, I, you know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I just sense, you know, there's a little, we're, we're a bit out of sorts or, or whatever it is. And, and sometimes you have to think, now if I'm gonna have a conversation with somebody, what am I gonna do? Or if we're gonna sort a situation out, in, in, in whatever setting it is, in your family or in your church in the homes or whatever it is, you, you, know, you know there's a little bit, sometimes you have to think now, okay, what, how, do, how am I gonna peacemake here? What conversations, you know, without coming at it from a side's point of view, I'm right, I'm wrong. And Paul is talking about all this stuff. He knows what we're like as people. People can get upset. He knows in the context that he's writing to the Ephesians because of the culture, of the day and the way things were. They were worshipping all kinds of other gods and idols. Um, There was tension between Jew and Gentile and, and all of that. And So he's speaking into these things, knowing what we're like. And so therefore what he's saying is, hey, everybody, we all have a responsibility. It's not just down to one or two. We all, because we are a body, we all play a part in this body. We all have a responsibility to live humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another, so that we keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace, by the peace that we have and being peaceable with one another in that sense. Okay. Then he goes on to say this: there is one body and one spirit. He emphasizes in the things here: one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all. There's a lot of ones in there. And and he writes these all all these for a reason. There is only one body, and and there can be factions. People can, oh, I'm, you know, I don't need the church anymore off the back of COVID. Quite a few people, and you probably know some of them as well. They've stopped connecting into a church or into a body somewhere. Saying, I, you know, I'm still I'm still got a relationship with Jesus, but I'm just I'm not, not going anywhere. It's me and Jesus. And it's like well i don't I don't think we find that anywhere in the Bible when, when you when you're saved, you get saved into the body of Christ and you 're part of the body, and you need to be part of the body somewhere right and so he says we're one body, and that's why because we're one body we have, we have to work out stuff between us that we keep maintain the unity, we walk together in the things of God because we 're one body we 're not just factions and, and a des- a dis whatever the word is. Yeah, you know, group of people. We're one body. And and it takes work to work this stuff out. One body and there's one spirit. And when there's one spirit, there's a witness of the Holy Spirit as well. You know, you know when you hear somebody preaching the, the word, you know, it's the word. It's not just someone's idea of a verse and they're plucking it out of nowhere and you think, you know, but you know when, when somebody's speaking or, or, or you're in a conversation and, and you just get this sense of, it mm, doesn't quite sit right with me. You know, that's the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Witnessing something, mm, not quite right. But also the other side of it is when, when something's going, we have this witness, yeah, yeah, this is good, this is right. I might not fully understand it all and it might even be a bit challenging what's being shared or where we're going and how we want to move forward. But I know, yeah, 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 there's something in me that goes, yeah, this is right. And this is what Paul is saying here, there's only one spirit and and we need to be aligning with with the Holy Spirit amongst us and be aware there's other spirits that operate that want to cause division, factions, want to take us out and all of that. There's only one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, that hope is salvation in Christ, right? (coughs) Excuse me. So he's talking about a salvation that is in Christ here, but then connected with that, one Lord, um, when, when, when we give our life to Jesus, he not only saves us from our sin, but he also becomes Lord in our lives. So he becomes Lord and Saviour. So we want to live in that salvation, working out our salvation, but, but we work out that salvation as he is Lord in our lives. And what does it mean for him to be Lord? Um, we yield in we're surrendering, we're listening, and then we're just doing what he's saying. We're living out. That's, that's him being Lord of our minds, our hearts, our lives, but him being Lord together in terms of how we are as a people. So his Lordship. And, and I think some of this stuff is really important in the day that we're in. Um, not to overstate this. Um, we, we all know that there are various denominations, that have already made decisions, some are in the process of making decisions, uh, to put man's opinions above God's lordship and the authority of his word. And there are, there are and I don't mean this critically, um, there are people who say they believe in Jesus? Who say they love Jesus? Who are sitting in scenarios, debating? You know, what we need to have in place. That's basically saying uh, we've got to fit in with the culture and not stick out and not jut out because we're afraid of people. We want to. We want people to think well of us. You know, and, and all of this stuff that goes with it. And it's the spirit of the age that's affecting things. So if we talk about one spirit here. So we have to say, well, who, what, what and who are we listening to if we make decisions and judgments that are contrary to the word of God? So there's a challenge to the lordship of Jesus Christ in the church, in this nation. And where, where we put ourselves above him he can't bless what's going on, he can't bless it. If it's out of line with his word and his will, there's no release of blessing uh, for what he wants to do. And so this this is so important that his lordship is about that we're we're submitting to his word, to his will and his ways, that he is Lord, that he's in charge, so, so important. Because even the days ahead potentially are gonna become more challenging for the church in the UK in different ways. And um, the Bible says that in the end times, in the end days, there's all sorts of stuff, especially at the moment with what's going on in Israel and and various things. Lots of people are coming out with all kinds of prophetic words and there's a lot being said, you know, alignments of this, that and the other and stuff from Revelation and are are we in this moment, that moment or the other moment and all of that. And at the end of the day, Jesus said himself, I don't even know the day and the hour that I'm coming back. And so don't get all fixated on, on those things, but just make sure today you live in the way that I've called you to live. If we live prepared, if we live ready, then whatever comes our way, if we're rooted in God, if we're in a if we're cultivating a strong relationship with God in our own lives, and together, no matter what comes our way, we will be at a stand in the face of whatever's going on. Uh, are we there? Not afraid of it and, and all of that, but there will be challenges in the coming years to the church in different ways, increasingly. Um, and uh, we have a freedom to preach the gospel now. Um, you know, Who knows what that might be like in 18 months' time, two years' time, if a different government gets in. Um, there's, and, and some of their policies and what they want to put in place, which will restrict the church. Quite a lot in ways that we all consider and go, not in our country, not in the UK, surely. That wouldn't happen over here, you know. Um, so we, we want to live with his Lordship. There's only one faith which connects again into the word. There's only one word. There's only one way. Are, are you with me? Yeah. Don't want to labour this too much, but really, really important. Um, let me just chuck this in. Um, Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, if we put our own opinions and what we want above the word of God, then it shows where's the fear of the Lord then? Where's the fear of the Lord? And, and one of the things we need in the church, in our nation, is a fresh reverence, a fresh awe, fear of the Lord, His Lordship. And when, when we decide our things, we're replacing him. And you say, wow, there's no fear of the Lord because we think we can sit down, make decisions that are contrary to the Bible and then say, now we can do this, now and the other and God's gonna bless it. Wow, that's a pretty dangerous place to, to live and to be. Uh, there's one baptism. Why does he say that in this moment? Because at the time, uh, there were lots of different ways that people were saying you can be baptized in this and that and the other. And he's saying there's only one baptism. And the baptism he's referring to there is water baptism in that moment. Um, There's only one way to know the Father and that's through Jesus Christ and that's through that baptism. The old has gone, the new has come. So he's, he's speaking into this. Then one God... Um, There aren't many ways to God. There aren't loads of different gods. There's only one. And remember in Ephesus, they had over 50 different gods that were worshipped and temples. That's why, again, he's saying there's only one God. Now, we might not have loads of temples or places of worship like that. There are some different religions in our nation and everything. But how many idols, how many things do people give themselves in their lives? In that sense, and what he said, no, there's only one God, there's only one that we give our lives to, and then I love this, and one Father of all. There's been a lot of emphasis in the church over the last 15 20 years on leadership. Some of you might think, Right, Has that, you know? But if you spend a lot of time with church leaders or you go to a few leaders' things or whatever, there's been so much emphasis on leadership, 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 leadership. And and it's like, okay, yeah, of course, you know, we need leaders. But I I personally believe that God wants us to, there needs to be a correction and that we've got to focus a lot more on what does it mean to be a family? Mm -hmm. And what does it mean to have fathers in the family? Mm -hmm. Because fathers, if you have a father, they must have kids. Mm -hmm. So you can have a man, but without kids, he's not a father. Once you have kids, you become a father. And there's responsibilities that that come with that. And and what does he say? He's the father of all. So God is our father. The great thing about him being our father is there's no grandkids in the kingdom. There's There's sons and daughters. Everybody has a relationship with the father. Are we there? And so God wants us to think more as being spiritual fathers and mothers to raising up spiritual sons and daughters. That could be in your own home with your own kids and family. Or, or it's others that are not part of your you know, your natural family. But God wants us to think more about, we're all here as spiritual fathers and mothers to raise up spiritual sons and daughters. So you can have a 20-year-old that can still be a father to a 12-year-old or an eight-year-old because you can have that in the natural. But spiritually also, it's not like, right, you've got to wait till you're in your 40s or 50s to become a spiritual father to someone else. And and I but. Here, it's like, it's, it's just right at the end of all these things, he finishes with Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so, a really, really important um, shift, I believe, there needs to be more in the church. It's less about leadership and all, all this stuff about, you know, and more about us being a family yeah. and being spiritual parents, raising up spiritual kids who are then going to have their own kids, their own family in that sense. So there's a multiplication that begins to, to take place. Are you guys okay? Yeah. Um, so then it's interesting. He then says, but each one, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now, the word grace there means gift, gifts, plural, okay? And what he's saying in this moment is, hey guys, you're, you're one body, keep the unity, and remember there's only, you know, one, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, all this stuff. And he said, now within that context, that each one grace as being apportioned um, through Christ or by Christ. What does that mean? Gifts. And it says in the next verse, he ascended to the high, ascended. Um, to lead captives in his train. What does that mean? That when he went to the cross, after he died on the cross, he then went and plundered hell. He went into the depths of the earth and led captives in his train. He revealed who he was to those that had already gone, died before. That's the mercy of God, eh? Um, But then he said he gave gifts to men. So God has given gifts to every one of us. He's apportioned them, he's given, right? He's distributed us all to have gifts which we'll we'll come into now. Uh, So let's jump into um, verse 11. Then Paul writes here, it was he, it was Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Now, there are five gifts there, or if we can call them maybe five operations, okay, or five graces, or five aspects of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, however you want to communicate them. Now, Often when we read that, we all sit there and, and often we go, well, I'm not an apostle, I'm not a prophet, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not a pastor and I'm not a teacher. Oh, you know, because we look at the five specific graces or offices and what I want to do just for a few moments is just give you a real simple, simple um, summary of each one of those things. Okay, now when when I describe those things, you're going to recognise... Some things within what I'm going to say about each one of those, and you'll probably have a prime a one one that will stand out more than others. You think, mm, yeah, that's I'm, I'm a bit like that. Yeah, I think like that. Because in the body, yes, we we need to have apostles and prophets and evangelists, and teach why? Because it says here they prepare, they train. People, they equip the, the saints for works of service for, for re, being released in ministry so that the body of Christ can be built up uh, until we reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the full measure of, of uh, who God is amongst us. So let's just have a look at these for a minute. Apostle. Okay, so the word apostle means one or a sent one, one who is sent and extends okay and the Latin word for apostle is missio it means mission, one who is sent okay to go uh, uh, an apostle is somebody who's like pioneering initiator activator, a bit more of a catalyst, a um, bit more strategic in their thinking and how they operate uh, give direction, like to in the sense of all of that they like to build when I say build structure and systems I don't mean just um just a program that's static that people have to fit into. What, what an apostle does in terms of hearing God and what God is saying is, right, what does that look like? How do we move that forward? How do we help people to be activated into what God wants to do? So they think more movement and, and all of that. They're a builder. One of the things that apostles do is they hold, hold people to the doctrine. They hold to the word of God in, in that sense. But one of the other things about an apostle is, a, a true apostle is like a father spiritual father and that's one of the characteristics if you like of, a, of an apostle um, and the word apostle is a Roman word and in, in Rome what they would do, the Roman Empire, when they wanted to go and establish the Roman Empire, extend it somewhere else, they would send someone who carries the, the DNA of the Roman Empire. They're, they're like, they, they carried a culture of, of who we are as, as Romans and they would send them somewhere and yes, they would want to take over and, and, and whatever and rule, but what they would do is they would establish Roman culture there as if it was Rome itself. So when you were there, you would say, wow, this is like being in Rome, even though it could be a thousand miles away. But it's like being in Rome. And that's, that's the nature of an apostle and, and the apostolic, if you like. It wants to establish the kingdom and wherever those people go, they establish the kingdom, the culture, the life of the kingdom so that something can begin to grow. So the kingdom of God is right there because they're going to establish the kingdom. Are you there? Now, you don't have to be an apostle. Okay, there are apostles but also you can be apostolic. So kingdom faith is an apostolic church. Pastor Colin, a um, dad was an apostle, and the nature of kingdom faith is apostolic, okay? Personally, I believe the church is supposed to be apostolic, right? But also a healthy church functions in all five of these, apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral and teaching. We need all five of those to be a healthy, mature body of people, okay? So so some of you might be a bit more, yeah, you know, I like to initiate and activate. I seem to be a bit more a catist. I love kind of, you know, what's that going to be? I'm a bit more of an engineer. I like to kind of build things, develop things and help things to move forward um, in that kind of way. Okay, then um, the prophet, this is an interesting, one who questions and reforms. Mm-hmm. You might think, what do you mean one who questions? What a prophet does, a pro, often prophets see, some are seers, some more hear things. There are different types of prophets. Um, but what does a prophet basically do? It points to God, is sensitive to the voice and the heart of God, seems to know particular truth that needs to be emphasised in the church at any given moment to, to enable the church to move forward. Uh, Prophets give direction. They discern the time. They seem to kind of, this is the time we're in. This is what God's saying and where we are. But they don't just discern the time. They know what is, but also what should be. Okay? And they see that gap between this is what is at this moment, but this is what God is saying. And God wants to get there. So they recognise the gap. But they also uh, are part of helping to for that gap to close. So the the reality of the promise comes into being. Are you there? You with me? Um, So some of you here are a lot more sensitive to the, we can all hear the Lord, right? So I'm not, but we all hear God. We all have the Holy Spirit. You can all hear God. But some of you are a bit more sensitive to to the voice of God. and, And the way you hear God often God gives you a little bit more about the bigger picture. You get a sense of this is what God is saying and where things need to be moving and, and, and there's more of a prophetic kind of sensitivity in your, in your life uh, in, in that way. Some of you maybe would connect with that uh, a little bit more. Uh, then there's the evangelist and lots of people go, it's oh, not me, I'm not an evangelist, you know. Um, But an evangelist is one who recruits and gathers. They're passionate about communicating the gospel and often they do it with joy and love in an infectious way. You know when you have a true evangelist? I don't mean just people who stand with a big board on the corner and and just look like they're death warmed up telling you if you don't give life to Jesus you're going to hell, (laughs) you know, and they look like, you know, and you don't want to go anywhere near them. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) That's not a true evangelist. That's somebody, they might be an evangelist, they just need, an encounter with Jesus, really, to change the way they are, okay? But you can still stand on a street proclaiming that, but under the anointing, it can be full of joy, full of life. and you know, But an evangelist is not just somebody who stands on a street doing that kind of thing. There's somebody who's passionate about telling people about Jesus and also equip and help others to do that. Um, so uh, their desire is to mobilise the church into its mission and purpose to see souls saved. Uh, And often when you're around an evangelist, somebody who's like that, they're constantly talking about, we just need to see more people saved. Do you know anybody like that? Anybody in the room like that? (laughs) Are you like that? (laughs) Brilliant. Um, And they often focus around the Great Commission, right? So there's different emphasis so far on these three areas, but we need them all to train, equip and build the body in different ways so that we become mature, as we're gonna read. Um, Then there's the shepherd or pastor. Let's use the word shepherd here because shepherd, pastor, one who protects and provides. So the shepherd or the pastor protects, cares for, builds up the community of believers on a personal level, individual, but also as a body. They're sensitive and aware of the issues and the needs in people's lives, the lonely and the hurting, And they also are part of ensuring a safe and loving environment that people are part of. They're kind of like your your glue, your pastors, your shepherds. They're like the glue in the place where people go, oh, I just love being with them. I I walk away feeling so like, oh, yeah, so loved up in that way and encouraged when you're with people like that. They're loyal also to the people and to the church they're part of, okay? They're very loyal. Pastoral shepherds are very, because it's like, I'm not going here. We're here to. You know we're here to build up strength and encourage, make sure we're we're all in this together, we're moving forward that any anybody's limping, we want to help them get sorted out any you know they've got time for everyone any any anybody like that. Yeah. Some of you are pastoral you love you you identify with some of that you just I want to build people. I love you know we need people, we need one another because not everybody is like that. Yeah. We all love people, okay. But we are not. We don't all express it in the same way because this is to do with grace. This is to do with giftings. This is to do with who you are, what God has apportioned you in your life. So some of you are going to be a bit more apostolic. You're going to be a bit more, come on, we need to move forward. We need to, you know, come on, let's go, 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 right? No, I'm more like that, okay? I love people and I don't mind doing pastoral things, okay? But often it's like, whew, come on, just get a grip. You know, in my head, I'm like, just why don't you just forgive the person and move on? Why can't you just come on? You know, now I don't have the conversations like that with people, but that's what's going on in me, right? But it's like, Holy Spirit, help me to help this person in the way that they need. Right? Much better to put somebody like Kai with somebody like that than me with somebody like that. Okay? But it's not to say I don't love people. So I'm more apostolic where it's like, come on, let's go, let's move, let's go forward, let's break through, let's pioneer, let's move beyond where we are, come on. And it's like, come on, everybody, let's go, 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 right? And uh, we need that, but we also need that pastoral gifting to make sure that everybody's healthy on the way as we go together. So we need the come on, but we also need, yeah, come on, and I'm going to make sure everybody's healthy as we go forward. Are are you there? Right. And then you've got the teacher, one who understands and explains. The teacher focuses on truth. Doesn't mean none of the others do, okay? But the primary thing about the teacher, they wanna get the truth into people. They want people to be full of wisdom, to build them up, strengthen the church. They seem to have a good fundamental grasp of the truth. They help people to understand how to live out the truth. So if you really are a true teacher of the word, you're not just gonna tell people information. Mm-hmm, that's right. It's not about knowledge alone. A true teacher will, will help to explain how do you live out this truth? Mm-hmm. How does it work in your life? What does this look like? Okay, That's a true teacher. It's not just knowledge and information. doesn't matter how much the Bible you know. What's important is what you're living. Mm-hmm. So you can know a lot and you're just splurging knowledge or you can know a little but you're living it and you're going to be more fruitful. So it's not about knowledge. It's experiential knowledge. It's living out this relationship with Jesus. Right? Um, and they want to ensure that the truth is passed on from one generation to the next. I want to invest in you, invest in you, so you can go and invest in others, okay? Some of you, 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 that's, you, you, that fires you up. It's like, I love to get in with a bunch of people and just get into the Word and, and encourage people and build each other up and just, hey mate, don't you know that? Well, can we just spend a bit of time? I want to build you up in the truth. Now, that is a heart for people but it's motivated, not from a pastoral point of view, where I want to make sure you're doing okay and everything's all right in your life. It's motivated from a, I want, I want you to live in the, the truth. I want you to get a hold of this because it's going to affect your life. It's still loving people, but it's done in a different way. Are, are you there? Now, all of us in this room will have a primary grace in one of those five operations. It's really important. And... And it's important that we understand that because if we understand that about ourselves and we understand how other people tick, right. then we see how we work together. That's right. That's right. Because everybody filters everything they hear through the grace and the giftings that are on your life. So even this morning, I'm, I'm speaking and, and how you're hearing, processing, responding to what I'm saying will have a little bit of a filter through the giftings and the graces that are on your life, okay? So some of you that are a bit more like apostolic and a bit more like prophetic, a bit more, come on, let's go. My style of, of approach and, and the way I am in terms of when I'm speaking or teaching or whatever is a bit more like, you know, this, come on, let's go, let's move, let's go forward and all of that. And people that have that motivation in the room are going to be going, yeah, come on, come on, come on, come on. Give us more, give us more. Some of you that are a bit more pastoral might be thinking, yeah, that's great, but hang on a minute. Don't go so far. Slow down a bit. We've got to take people with us. Don't leave anybody behind. Do you know what I mean? And, and all of that, okay? That's what's going on in our, in our, in our minds, you know? And the evangelist there, or, or if you're more, that more your motivation, you'll be going, when are you going to talk about reaching the lost? <laughs> Oh, great. It's brilliant to encourage us to all say, Love Jesus more, love Jesus. But when are you going to get on to now go and tell everybody about Jesus? And, and there are some people in the room like that. Uh, are you there? And so it's really important that we understand we need all five of these in operation amongst us, okay? And we also need to understand that when different people speak, we need to understand, okay, they are more pastoral. More teaching, so therefore we're going to get that kind of input, encouragement, and strengthening. So I'm going to receive that in that way because that's the grace and anointing on their life. But when you have somebody else, maybe my wife, who's more prophetic, and when she comes, the way she, she's a prophetic teacher, really, and uh, and no matter what you ask her to speak about, there's always a prophetic edge to what she's saying. She'll always bring in what's God saying. How do we not just? What does, that, what does this mean for us today and how do we live it? There's always a what's God saying, where are we going, what does that mean, how do we live it, all that kind of stuff. And, and therefore, when we receive somebody because we understand the grace and the anointing on their lives, we know that, right, today Clive's here and uh, so I know I need a little bit of, um, come on guys, let's move, let's shift, let's go. <laughs> Right, and so rather than saying oh, I'm not into him so much, I'm ra- I'd rather you know I'd, I'd rather have Kai, you know, being a bit more pastoral and nice to us, or whatever, and 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 a bit more like yeah, you know, look, come on, let's go together. But we need all of it. Yes. Are, are you there? Yes. If we only had that, and and come on, guys, you know, be encouraged, be strengthened. If we only had that, we would be lopsided. Yes. But if we only had me, like it's more, come on, let's move, 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 go, go, go. After a while, you'd all be like, <sighs> yeah. All right, can somebody just like, just go, hey guys, you're brilliant. Let's just get in the Word. This is what Jesus thinks about you. He loves you. You're amazing. You're awesome and all of that. Now, I I say all that, but it comes with a, that's brilliant. You're awesome. You're amazing. Let's get on with it. You know, it's, but we need to understand that our relationship with God, your personal relationship with God and our corporate relationship with God has two key parts to it, okay? One, it's relationship. The second is purpose. Salvation is the doorway into the kingdom of God. So your salvation or you being saved brings you into relationship with God. But your salvation brings you into the kingdom. Once you're in the kingdom, there's some kingdom purposes on earth that God wants to work out that are already going on in heaven. When, when they said to Jesus, teach us how to pray, what did he say? He said, our Father, it's relationship. And if he's a father, he's got a family. Yeah. That's us lot. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, honoured, revered, worthy, reverence is your name. But then he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so that means there must be stuff God wants to do on Earth that have already been released in heaven. So when we get saved, we're saved into a kingdom that has a purpose on Earth that's already been released in heaven. So we're now part of God's purposes to be outworked on the Earth. So we have a relationship with God that has purpose, both individually and together, and that purpose means there's work to do. Um, at the end of, at the end of, uh, where was it? Um, oh, it's in here somewhere. Uh, where is it? Uh, verse 10, chapter 2. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared for us, advanced for us to do. Wow. When did he prepare them? Before the beginning of time. Because in the beginning of Ephesians said, he called and chose us before the creation of the world. When he, when he was thinking about you and me before the creation of the world, that's awesome. God was thinking about you and me before the creation of the world. That's nuts when you think about that. And he knew, right, I'm going to bring all these people, 2023, they're all going to be alive in Worthing together as a congregation and they're going to impact people's lives, okay? So he, but he's prepared things for us to do beforehand. So there's things God wants to do today through you and me there's things he wants to do tomorrow that he's already, and that's why we want to be listening. God, what do you want to do today through me that affects someone else's life? Mm-hmm. There's things that God wants to do every day. How many of you, how many of you have got these things? <laughs> I, I carry these around a few in my pocket or uh, wherever I am or in my bag or whatever. And every day, wherever I'm going, I'm like, Holy Spirit, anything you want to do, anything you want me to talk to without trying to force it, you know, but it's open. And the other day, Jay and I were in a, um, a um, coffee shop place, and um, as we were coming to the till, it was busy. Lots of people in the queue, and <clears throat> the lady who served us, when she talked, she had a really like um, could, she could hardly talk. And um, as we were kind of just beginning to pay, I said, "Do you um, what's up with your voice?" And she said, um, "She said, oh, I had COVID, lost my voice, and since then it's never really come back properly." And, but because it was busy and there was lots going on, I kind of I knew God was saying to me, "You need to pray for her." So I was like, "Okay," but I knew I couldn't do it then in, because of the busyness. So we went and sat down. We had our scones and whatever, cheese scone with chutney and um, and a cup of tea. And uh, we're getting older, going to you know anyway. So um, and there was a moment where I kept looking up to see right when's there nobody around, as in not a queue at the thing. And and the, uh, I saw her standing just in the kitchen area. This thing. So I I got up and went over, and uh, I said hi. I said, what's your name? And she told me what her name was. And I said, oh, I said, don't know if you remember Jane and I, uh, but our kids I think went to the same school when they were in junior school. And she goes, no, I do remember you, yeah. And um, and I said, I don't know if you know that we we lead a church uh, or whatever, but. She goes, oh, I don't know, you know, know." and um, so I said, look, I said, um, I said, you, your voice has not been good, right? And and she said, no. And I said, look, we're Christians and we believe that God heals. Uh, And uh, I said, could I pray for you because I believe God wants to heal you? And and she said, oh, well, well, yeah, I'd love you to, but... um, I don't, my boss isn't going to be into that. I said, look, we don't have to go into like, you can just stand there, look at me, I'll look at you and I'll just say something. And, and I believe God wants to heal you. And so she said, um, she said okay. So I, I just stood there and, and I said what her name was and I said, just be healed in the name of Jesus. Just receive your healing. And um, so I said to her, how are you doing? And her voice wasn't 100% sorted, but what she said to me was she looked at me straight away and she said, "Um, within two weeks, I'm gonna have a proper conversation with you. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, I'll come back in two weeks, right? And we can have a conversation. And she said, yeah, do that. And then we can have a proper conversation because my voice, I'll be able to speak properly. Mm. I was like, oh, inside I was going, yeah, come on. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) I didn't say that to her, she said that. And so I just said to her, I said, has anybody told you how much Jesus loves you? And she was like, no. And I said, "I said, Jesus loves you more than you could ever fully understand. He's amazing, he loves you and he wants you to know him. And she's like, oh, thank you so. I mean, and then people started coming out. a bit. So I got one of my, got one of my things out. These. I said, look, here, here's a small thing. This will tell you about how much Jesus loves you and I said, "Have a read, and I'll be praying for you. We'll be praying for you over the next week or two. And, and in a couple of weeks' time, I'll come back, and let's have a comment. Let's see what God's done. And it'd be great to talk to you." And she was like, "Oh, that'd be amazing, right?" Now, it's just that happened without me having to instigate it. I still had to make a decision: Am I going to do it? Um, but who knows? We were in IKEA, and uh, IKEA. How many of you love going to IKEA? The ladies hey the bloke. <laughs> anyway. The other Saturday, my wife said to me, you know, she said, "Um, can we go to Ikea today? And I was like, I looked at her. She knew, just looking at me, she's like, I know you don't want to go, but we need to get a couple of things and whatnot. So I was like, all right, yeah, let's go to Ikea. Change your mind, Clive, just get on with it. And as we got out of the car, I... I, I knew God was saying to me, you need, there's somebody in there I want you to talk to. So, okay. And I made sure I had a couple of these in my pocket. And at one point, well, I was so all around IKEA, I don't know what Jane was doing, but I was constantly like, is that who you want me to talk to? Is that who you want me to talk to? You know, and, and I was thinking it was somebody who's gonna work there that we were more probably gonna interact with, asking a question, you know, where do I find this? Right? Hey, can I have you know, do you know that Jesus? And anyway, it wasn't any of those people. And and um, and then we were standing looking at some plates that we were buying for someone while we were there, and this lady comes across and she asked me a question, and um, so uh, she, how many how many plates you get for that price? And she was from another country, and uh, and so I said, yeah, yeah, it means you know this many plates for that amount of money. And and Jane said, where are you from? And she goes, oh, I'm from the Ukraine, and we were like, oh, we pray for the Ukraine. And she said, uh, she said, oh, I do too. And I said, oh, do you, uh, do you believe that God answers prayer? And she's like, well, I, I'm, I'm praying for my country at the moment because it's not very good. And, and we said, look, we believe that God answers prayer. And um, she's like, oh, thank you so much for praying. And, and so I just said to her, um, I said, do you, do you, if you pray, I said, do you believe in Jesus? And I mean, you're just making it up on the spot, right? I haven't got a patter that I use with people. It's just, so I said, do you believe in Jesus? And she goes, well, I believe there's only, I believe all roads lead to God. There's only one God and whoever you believe, they will go to the same God. And I said, okay, so would you do you know who Jesus is? And she goes, well, I, I like to think that Jesus is with me all the time. And, uh, and, and I'm like, okay, so do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him? And, um, and she was, she's like, no, I don't think, you know. Um, and I said, has anybody ever told you how much Jesus loves you and he wants you to know him? She's like, nobody's ever told me that. And I said, well, Jesus, and then her, either a partner or husband walks over and then oh, he obviously doesn't know we're talking really because we're standing looking at shelves having a conversation. And then he comes over, starts talking to us. We kind of get interrupted a little bit. So while he's trying to talk, I'm like, right, this this could finish now. So I get one of these out. I'm like, hey, look, just before, you know, can I give you one of these? I said, this tells you about who Jesus is and how you can have a relationship with him. Um, And she looked at it and she went, I'm gonna read this. I'm gonna, wow. She said, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you so much. And I said, just remember, Jesus loves you more than you realise. And we're going to pray for you and pray for your nation, and anyway, so that she went, and so you can think, well, how on Clive did she give her the life to look? I don't know, but I just want to be available for now I'm not an evangelist, right? I'm just telling you this so that we don't just put ourselves in a box i'm we need to finish, don't we i I'm not an evangelist. there's no kids to get from the kids' groups, are there? so we're all right for a minute. is that all right um, so i i I know God's been talking to me, Clive, just just step over your comfort line and, and just, just be available. So that's what I'm doing. You know, wherever I go, any particular day trip into town or I'm, I'm driving somewhere and I stop at a service station to get something to drink, I'm like, Holy Spirit, is there anybody you want me to talk to? Just available uh, for whatever. So anyway, so all of us fit in these things in, in some way. Then just to finish, okay, so these giftings prepare, train, equip all of us until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, okay? What's the result of that? Then we together will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching. There's a lot of winds of teaching going on at the moment, okay? to All sorts of things. We want to make sure we're rooted in God together. Um, and that we don't get taken out by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming, uh, without going there. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in in all things grow up in him, grow in faith, becoming more like Christ, who is the head of our lives, but who we are. We're part of the body and he is the head. So we grow up into him, more Christ-like. We mature as the people of God. And, And maturity here is not just about knowledge, Maturity is in the way that we live together and the way that we reach other people who need to come to know Christ in fruitfulness. From the whole body drawn together in unity as every part fulfills its function in love as each part does its work. So the emphasis on this, yes, we have graces and operations of apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist in that sense, but we all have one of those primarily operating in us, okay? There might be other things that cross over because they're not all very, they're not all five lanes. They are, but they cross over in different ways as well, okay? Uh, you can be apostolic and prophetic, you can be apostolic and evangelistic, you can be pastoral, not so much ev- well, Paul Taylor, if you remember him. Great pastor, but also a great evangelist. You can be a teacher and prophetic, prophetic teacher. There's lots of crossovers, okay? But one of the things, especially through church in the home, that will begin to get activated more is the grace and the gifting on your life. As, you, as you're as you part of the body in there wanting to invest in others in that same one that you're part of, when you come together, there can be an expression of that. And so it's really important that we understand that, that because there's been such an emphasis on leadership, it sounds like you know leadership leads and we just follow, Whereas actually, what does a father do? A father raises a family and they grow together and the kids get raised up and released into their lives. They begin to take more responsibility as they grow and then they begin to have their own family and their own kids in that way. So there's that multiplication that gets released through all of us. Let's just jump to our feet, shall we? We'll just pray before we close this morning. Has that been helpful? Mm, just close your eyes for a moment. Just maybe there has been some resonance in you about the fivefold things we talked about these five giftings, graces, operations. And it's not the, am I a prophet? Am I an apostle? Am I an evangelist? That's not the question this morning. But maybe there's some things that have resonated in you going, mm, I see that I, that's why I tick like that, wanting to really build people up, encourage them, because that pastoral heart, that shepherding heart for people. Mm. Or there might be, yeah, I want to see people saved. I want to, you know, um, and God wants us to work like a team, as a team together. One builds up and encourages, and it doesn't mean you don't reach people who don't know Jesus. But your primary thing is, I want to make sure people are careful. Built up, someone else says, I want to just reach people, but you also, we also do care. But if we're all working as a team, then there's going to be a healthy, nourished body that is growing into maturity and being effective in its mission, impacting the world, lives that are around us. So maybe first of all, just thank the Lord that he's graced you, that he's gifted you, he's apportioned you, as the word says there, gifts and graces. Maybe just say to the Lord, Father, I I wanna serve the body here. I don't just wanna be served, I want to serve. I want to be somebody who gives, whether it's on a Sunday morning when we come together, everybody, to help facilitate and make the family gathering happen, or whether it's in our homes, and the way we just facilitate that smaller context of family together, that missional community that you've called us to be. Where We're on mission, because it's all about the Great Commission, but we're all in relationship together. Missional, community. Missional is purpose. Community is families. It's relationship. And so, Father, we thank you that you've rooted me and planted me here. Yeah. Father, I want to be fruitful and effective, and I want to play my part in what you're doing here, what you're doing amongst us, what you want to do in Worthing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, just open our eyes a bit to help see where, how we can serve, how we can contribute, and how we can be a blessing to others, how we can give and build others up in their lives. And we know that in your kingdom, your word says it's better to give than to receive, but we also know that when we give, we do receive. And that's a point of maturity, that I'd rather be a giver than a receiver. But the more you give, the more you receive. It's just a kingdom principle. So Father, I thank you for fresh grace upon the congregation here and all that you're doing and saying at this time, we thank you, Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you.